Howdy and hello, welcome to another edition of Maximum Speed on the Maximum Volume family of podcasts. We got a lot to talk about and not a lot of time to do it. This week, we got some NASCAR to talk about. We got Supercross and yes, even the 12 Hours of Sebring. So we begin first with NASCAR, who they invaded beautiful Atlanta Motor Speedway, the track that has not been repaved in 24 years and uh, is always a pain for tires, which is something Kyle Larson, uh, I know, fell at the end of his race. We'll get to that later. We first start with the 130-lap Freight Auctions 200. Who was the winner? It was the number 51 of Kyle Busch. He led 102 out of 130 laps, which was very impressive. However, more impressive, I think, was John Hunter Nemechek managing to sweep both stages, even though Kyle Busch led 102 laps. Interesting. Three cautions for a total of 16 laps and eight lead changes in the freight auctions 200. This was the fourth week in a row. A Toyota has won a truck race. What does this mean? What does it mean? Uh, well, it means Toyota's very good when it comes to truck races. By the way, Kyle is ineligible for any driver points, so he cannot be in the truck series playoffs. But he still does sometimes compete in truck races, and uh, he's always very good when it comes to that. What was the race Infinity series to be talked about? I hear some people complaining about him being... Sometimes they're being like, oh, he looks bad for the sport. But I see others saying, this is great for the sport. We've always wanted to have someone with uh, a personality like Noah Gregson. So I think this is good for the sport because it gets people talking about it. People see everything on Twitter. And even when they're angry at Noah being like, oh, look, he's so bad. It means people are paying attention to the Xfinity series, and truly this year, sometimes I even think the Xfinity series has been more entertaining than the Cup series. I know that Daytona race was, and it, it does all have to uh, happen because of that uh, six-hour rain delay, you know, that made it kind of a, uh, I'm just hoping it's done by now for the Daytona 500. It's fine, though. So... Uh, let's actually talk about the 163-lap Epco Part 250. Won by the number 7 of Justin Allgaier after leading only 47 laps. Who was the dominant car? Well, that was 54 of Martin Truex Jr. Sweeping both stages and leading 103 laps. Then on lap 130, the 8 car, driven by Josh Berry, went through the grass and destroyed the entire front end of his car. This a it is enough to me. I do know this. Uh, Atlanta was talking about maybe uh, redoing the adding turf in, or maybe even uh, just repaving the track as a whole. I, I don't know what to do, man. People who have more money than me get to decide that. Now, we hinted at this at the beginning. Why was everyone talking about the Xfinity race? What did Noah do this week? If you haven't heard already, there was an incident on Pitt Road where the number 9 of Noah Gregson backed up his car into the pit stall of the number 18 of Daniel Hemrick. After the race, while Noah was being interviewed by PRN, Daniel ran towards Noah and connected a few punches towards Noah until both were eventually 
separated. There was some issues with uh, crew guys fighting. And uh, I hear drivers all the time being like they don't like seeing the crew guys fight. And uh, I agree because at least with the drivers, they, they might not get suspended. But I feel like if you have the crew guys fighting, there's a great chance those guys get in trouble because they don't make the money for the sport unlike the drivers do. So I don't like seeing crew guys fight. I, don't, I do know this, like I said, got a lot of people talking. Both drivers, by the way, were not penalized, which I think was the right decision by NASCAR. It's adding storylines for this season, which is great for television, and I know how important television is for racing. By the way, seven cautions for 37 laps and six lead changes during this race. So then we had the 325-lap Fultz of Honor Quiptrick 500 for the Cup Series, and uh, I think the overall feelings were it was kind of a long race, and uh, Kyle Larson just was dominant, leading 269 laps and sweeping both stages. He would end up being passed by Ryan Blaney with less than 10 laps to go, and Ryan Blaney would win the entire race. Here's the thing. Uh, Kyle, man, just unlucky. You know, with Atlanta, the track is notorious for absolutely destroying tires, and you want to have uh, a perfect race strategy uh, to have the freshest tires to end up winning the race, and that's exactly what uh, the number 12 crew and Ryan Blaney did. So this race had five cautions, 11 lead changes, and uh, finally, we had a Team Penske car win a race. I I've been wondering when Team Penske would get a victory, and we found out now. We talked about this earlier. The, tw the 12 hours of Sebring. Beautiful Sebring, Florida. That great race venue. 349 total laps for through 12 hours. Interestingly enough, 325 laps. Whereas the amount of laps for Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now, I know you're going to be like, oh, well, that's a road course compared to as for the GTD class. Well, it was the number nine FAF Motorsports vehicle with Zachary Robichon, uh, Lawrence Ventor, Vanter, and uh, Lars Ken. I, if you hear me trying to do accents on other people's names, that's because I think that's how you say it. And, uh... If you're a long-time listener, you know I'm horrible with names. Well, for the GTLM class, a class really dominated by Corvette, the number 79 WeatherTech Racing Porsche would get the victory in only its second race, being a private uh, company for Porsche. The winners, winning drivers there, Cooper McNeil, Matthew Jamani, and uh, Matt Campbell. I apologize to Matthew. I really don't know how to say his name. I tried to even get a pronunciation guide and uh, just couldn't do it because... Yeah, just unable to do it. I bought Autosports of uh, Colin Brown, John Bennett, and George Kurtz behind the wheel at some point. Before we tell you the winner of the DPI class, I want to tell you what happened with Jimmy Johnson and the Ally Racing uh, Cadillac. Uh, so basically, in IMSA, there are rules for how long drivers can be in their cars. Well, Simon Patrino was out about, a, it was like 50 two seconds longer than he was supposed to be. So, what happened? Well, even though they were going to finish third in the race, they were m finishing all the way down in the uh, mid to late 20s, early 30s, and uh, finished last in the DPI class with only seven cars, but like 30th overall. It was not a uh, good night for Jimmy or his crew. 
in the very end, at least. They did good. They weren't going to win, but they still did good. So, winners of the DPI class. The number five Mustang sampling Cadillac of Sebastian Bourdais, Tristan Vautier, and Loic Duval being the overall winners of the 12 Hours of Sebring. Uh, interesting he- here for the Mustang uh, sampling Cadillac. They are the only team, I believe, that doesn't have factory backing. All these other IMSA DPI cars do have uh, money coming from the factory. Number one in the point standings, and he gets the red number plate for being number one in the point standings. Cameron McAdoo has 106 points and is two points back from Justin's 108. Hunter Lawrence is only four points away with 102 points in the number 41 bike. So, we still got a whole lot of racing to go. Again, 17 rounds. So, I'm excited. I really am. This is going to be a fun one. Fun season. By the way, calling it right now, 250 West, already more exciting than the 450 class this year. It was cool in the beginning seeing just the dominance of uh, Ken Roxon, but now really, uh, we've just seen Cooper Webb absolutely dominate uh, the main event circuit, really past Indianapolis. So, here we go. 450 class. Heat number one goes to the number one. Last year's champion, Eli Tomac. Very important. He's still trying to get some points, but realistically, he can't get anywhere close to second. Ken Roxon in the number 94 Honda finished in first place in heat number two but would finish second place in the main event as Eli Tomac finished third. And the number one in the point standings at the time, the number two of Cooper Webb, would be the main event victor. So, through now 12 rounds, Cooper Webb is in first place with 275 points. Ken Roxon, the number 94, has 260. That's 15 points back. And Eli Tomac has 234 points and is 41 points behind first. So, really, there's no way, realistically, I can see Eli even being a contender for the championship. It will just be Cooper versus Ken. Now we have some IndyCar news. Roger Penske told the media on Monday, March 22nd, through a Zoom meeting, that there will be a crowd... For the May 30th Indy 500, they will not be moving the race. He wanted to make that very clear. He said over 170,000 tickets have currently been sold. And he said the goal uh, for the Speedway is to have full capacity at 250,000 people. Uh, he did want to make sure, that, though, that he can't say an exact number for capacity, saying, quote, we're not making any predictions at all because anything I say today could be completely wrong. This is... All in reference to last season, uh, the whole fiasco of uh, having fans, to having, what was it, 50%, 25%, and then to, uh, like, two weeks before qualifying, announcing that there will be no fans at the Indy 500, which was already postponed to August, that was supposed to have fans because the coronavirus was ever-changing. Uh, but ultimately, there would be no fans involved. It was weird. It really was. I will hopefully be... I know I'm one of the 100, uh, 170,000 people at AT&T Stadium for two shows on March 27th and March 28th. After those two shows, they will crown a stadium tour champion. No IndyCar racing yet. That's in mid-April. No Supercross. They have a couple weeks off. 
We do have NASCAR at Bristol Motor Speedway on uh, the dirt track at Bristol Motor Speedway. Truck race at 8 Eastern, Saturday the 27th on FS1 and MRN. Cup Series race at 3.30 on a Fox and PRN on March 28th. So, interesting. Uh, having no Xfinity race that wasn't scheduled, and uh, I see nothing wrong with that. It's cool seeing the uh, Saturday night slot go to the Truck Series, and I understand why. You know, it's the Cup Spring Race, so they got to put it on Sunday, but I, I always love Bristol at night. I really do, and I think it I think dirt racing doesn't look cool when it's light out. I'm sorry. I think uh, night racing is the best racing when it comes to dirt racing, and that's why I'm kind of disappointed that uh, Bristol had to be on a Sunday. Would have liked to. Uh, if I could have had it, I would have had the Truck Series Friday night and uh, Cup Series Saturday night. But uh, once again, I'm not the one who makes the decisions. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you want to know what a good decision is? Following my Twitter, at MaxGSport, capital M, capital G, capital S, no sports. Excuse me, no spaces there. Uh, you can email the show, MaximumVolumePodcastGmail.com. And following the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Good Pods, Overcast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Stay safe, everybody. Wear a mask. Do all that. And we will see you next week. By the way. Uh, Maximum Volume, the sports show, comes out on Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss that one, where we recap all that's happened with March Madness right now. And March Madness has made me even sadder than last week. Peace, everybody.